0: Netcasts you love
1: From people you trust
0: this, this is TWIT Bandwidth for Mostly Photo is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com This is Mostly Photo with Lisa Bettney and Leo Laporte Episode 9 recorded May seventeenth, 2011 to Mashwitz. Mostly Photo is brought to you by Ford and the 100% reinvented 2011 Ford Explorer. With room for seven passengers, best in class V6 highway fuel economy, and available sync with my Ford Touch, the 2011 Ford Explorer is perfect for your adventures with the family. For more information and to submit your photos to the Mostly Photo Adventure Awards, visit MostlyPhotoAdventures.com and by by Audible.com. For your free book, Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Photo. It's time for Mostly Photo. Lisa Betney's back in studio with us. Hello, Lisa. Yay.
1: Hey, everybody. <laughs>
0: also joining us, we have a special guest in the studio with us, Stu Mashwoods. Hi, Stu. Hi. Nice to Great to, be to see here. you. What is, what is Stu's area of expertise? Fill me he, in here. He Lisa. is
1: remarkable. He's a filmmaker. He's a photographer. <laughs> he runs an amazing blog at Pro Lost. Dot com. He worked at ILM, which is like oh. <laughs> formerly
2: uh, Alex Lindsay's boss. I heard <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was Lisa's words, not mine. But uh, uh, huh? yes, we shared an office together, got in wow. trouble together. So, what did you do at ILM? Um, I uh, was the supervisor of the group. You know that Alex was in there called the Rebel Mac Unit. So the we, Rebel Mac Unit. The Rebel <laughs> Mac Unit. Yes. W- was that because you were Mac users or? Uh, yeah. It was. It was based on John Knoll, actually, who had, you know, I was working together with him on the first Mission Impossible movie, the Brian De Palma one. We were flying helicopters through the tunnel, and I went <laughs> wow. up to visit his that office. Doesn't sound safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did it in a safe way. Uh, actually, we totally didn't. Tom Cruise really got hurt doing doing those stunts himself. Really? It was actually really cool. Yeah, he wow. was like John Knoll came back from the set with all these amazing stories of like how how Tom physically would, brave like, he was. Yeah, right? be flipping around on wires and. <sighs> Um, meanwhile, John was busily cranking out shots for the star Wars re-release on his beige Mac in his office. And I was just like, <laughs> that looks like you're actually having fun. Like that looks like you're,
0: what were they using before that? S- 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 G- I, uh, sun SGI. well, yeah, stations? and ILM or?
2: obviously continued to do that. They use the super high end stuff. But with that stuff, I always sort of felt like I was like the pit crew, like spending time under the hood. Whereas I felt like John had figured out a way to just be the race car driver, just do the creative work and have fun. And so together we concocted this idea that maybe there could be almost a division that was like a boutique within ILM that would do specific types of shots using off the shelf hardware and software. So we were the Rebel 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 Mac Mac unit. unit. I love it.
1: Very, very cool. So Um, you
0: still photography. I mean, although there are some great still uh, photographs on prolost.com in fact,
2: were, were you at the Endeavor launch yesterday? I wasn't at the launch yesterday, but I went out there for the first attempt two weeks ago. That's why there were a lot Iraq of people at. waiting and waiting and yeah. waiting. Yeah, And that so, building
1: is amazing. Yeah,
2: look at the size that is, of that. Yeah, so that's looking straight up at the uh, ceiling of the vehicle assembly building. That there's there's 520 feet between us and that roof. That
0: Holy there. cow! Yeah. Holy cow!
2: And it's, that shot actually, I, I love that one because that's sort of a little dark back corner of the VAB. And to me, it just looked like something from a John Carpenter film. It was so <laughs> like, it's so kind of not high tech, you know, and, and if you there's those elevators there. If, I, I, I should post a detail because you can see there's um, there's like a map, like a vertical map of the um, main uh, rocket booster for the shuttle. And so you know what floor to get off of, <laughs> depending on which part of the booster you're working wow. on. You know, there's like a map of a rocket. It feels
0: very Half-Life, actually. Yeah, I, doesn't it? Yeah, doesn't it feel yeah. like you should be kind so, of bobbing your way yeah, through there with a, yeah. with a gun in front of you? Yeah. Something's going to jump out at me, anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, it's kind of a wonderful opportunity to take that picture, but you know, it's so far away. What, well, you're three miles at closest? You can get is three miles away.
2: Uh, from, uh, from the
0: launch, right? From
2: the launch, yeah. I mean, in that shot there, uh the the, the shot of the actual orbiter, I, I did manage to get closer, but um, but, but yeah, that's I mean, pre-launch. Yeah, unlike Trey, I don't think I would have actually tried to shoot the launch. I just wanted to see <laughs> it to
1: be there. The yeah. background.
2: Well, that's good because you didn't get
0: to see the launch, so it
2: <laughs> yeah, worked out really yeah, well. Yeah, wish, do. wish, wish granted. Yeah.
0: So you you do obviously you're still photos, but you're known for for doing video.
2: Yeah, I guess I have kind of an odd way into all this, but I um. Yeah, I went to film school, um, worked at ILM, then I left and started a film production company called The Orphanage, which was based in San Francisco. Oh, I know The Orphanage, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that was me and Scott Stewart and John Rothbart. We kind of met at ILM and then branched off together and took the principles, basically, of the Rebel Mac unit and turned it into a whole company. Right. And we did that for 10 years. And during that time, I did visual effects for things like Sin City, working with Robert Rodriguez.
0: Incredible.
2: Lots of big movies like that, but also uh, developed a career as a commercial director. And, uh, and, and then weirdly, also, I'd be on these big, high-budget shoots with film cameras and all that, but I was always interested in the original precepts of our company, which was that along, at the same time that those, those, those off-the-shelf computers started to get really uh, easy to do high-quality work with, mm-hmm. it, you know, these digital video cameras were coming out. And to me, what was happening was a really amazing collision of accessibility, where a filmmaker without a ton of money could produce something that had a really high production value and that became kind of my mo and i actually wrote a book called the dv rebels guide and that is very cool all about basically making you know like your garage die hard you know and, 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 uh, and trying <laughs> well, to. robert rodriguez can
1: you? is big on that yeah he was like, super he was one of the first people to sort of really go out there and say hey like you don't need tons Absolutely. of money to make a great movie.
2: He's totally, I mean, he's he's a total hero of mine, what he did with El Mariachi, and then...
1: I love that movie.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's just so inspirational, right? Although I mean, the funny
0: thing is, in those days, he had to max his credit cards to buy film stock. You don't have to yeah, buy film stock yeah. anymore, do you? Yeah, and he
2: did that crazy thing where he would, like, you know, he was shooting 60 mil and recording with the thing, yeah. and he was, it was all kind of start-stop, and every frame of film was precious and everything, so he definitely... Uh, was at the bleeding edge of that kind of idea. I, I I got his kind of blessing to use the word rebel in the title of uh, of my book, and and he, he gave me a little blurb for the back of it. He was really sweet. So I i that that, that definitely I wanted to kind of continue that, t- take that inspiration into the digital world and talk about how is knowing a little bit of little tiny bit of what mm-hmm. you know Alex and I would do at ILM, and mm-hmm. then a uh, and then just some fundamental cinematography principles applied back to video cameras could turn you into a filmmaker whose work wouldn't look like shaky cam video trying to be something it wasn't, but yeah. you could really push the production value. Well,
1: you must have, I mean, just watching DSLRs over the last few years, like how incredible it is that anyone can go out and shoot amazing video. Yeah, no, just it is,
2: it's its it's really, it's obviously been an exciting and and cool time. And I think there's a lot of people are discovering video because of that. For me, it was kind of the other way around where my, it just turned my love of photography and my love of filmmaking into one really expensive hobby as opposed to two. (laughs) Uh, It didn't, but yeah, it's, it's a great thing to just kind of be able to by one type of lens instead of three.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know anybody who's ever uh, who's made movies based on uh, the precepts in the DV uh, Rebels Guide? Do you know any films that have? Uh, yeah, have come I, out of I there?
2: wonder if I I don't know if I can think of any offhand, but there have definitely been a few. You've met people, people who, said, who have, I made a movie. Yeah, no, they, cool. they they would definitely be that kind of feedback. And then the, then kind of my my third life is that I designed software for a company called Red Giant Software, and I created this software called Magic Bullet. Oh my God!
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! I was just well, trying we, to get his secrets we, because I we love know about that.
0: Magic Bullet. <laughs> In fact, uh, uh, you know who who loves Magic Bullet? Doctor Tiki of Tiki oh. Bar TV uses Magic yes, Bullet on almost right. every
2: frame of his <laughs> yes. of his video. Yeah, those, uh, that's true. That 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 show is basically kind of an ad for Magic an, Bullet. It look. is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I um, so I get a lot of that kind of feedback too, where people point out to me like, "Oh, we you know we couldn't have done this independent film without." Colorista, which is our color correction tool, or uh, Magic Bullet. What
0: does Magic Bullet do for those who don't
2: know? So, basically, you know, sitting around at ILM and working on these big movies, like I would study, kind of like why why movies look the way they do. Like, what is it about film that looks the way it is? And I and and some of it is technical things, and some of it is creative things. And what Magic Bullet looks is it's a soft it's a software plugin that works with Final Cut, with uh, Premiere, with After Effects, and it gives you basically like a map of a camera where you can lay in filters and film stocks and things that relate to your understanding of photography in the real world and you can um you can basically put together kind of a recipe for your look and obviously we have presets which I think is one of the most attractive things about mm-hmm. it is that you right. can just shop basically using not not with using canned thumbnails but using you know your actual image and and just respond to it which is something that i think doesn't exist enough in the kind of professional sphere is this idea of just show me a picture and let me emotionally respond to it. Don't bog mm-hmm. me down with technical terms and that kind of thing. Um,
1: and it's really, it's really quite easy to use. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, and and fun. You know, the idea is to to have something be fun. So, um, <laughs> from directors to masters, <laughs> Red Giant Software, yeah. Magic Bullet Mojo. Yeah. So this is actually Mojo is was is is a simplified product that we created that it really just is designed to give you that kind of blockbuster movie look with just a minimum of sliders and not the full kind of magic bullet. As you can see, this one's uh, a...
0: It's pretty amazing what you could do, though. I I really like it, you know? I mean, this is all I could understand, believe me.
1: (laughs) And I think it's something that can take your video from looking like a home movie to something that is professional. And a lot of people ask, you know, how do I, you know, I really want to make a great, you know, demo or something like that. And it's, this is something you can use to really sort of push it and make it look really, really cool. Actually, as it takes the
0: digital to... out of digital. Yeah,
2: you know, no, filmmaking. absolutely. Yeah. I'm a big kind of traditionalist. I love film and I love kind of the.
0: It's much more filmic. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I like, I like things to look uh, like celluloid. So a lot of the, yeah, that's exactly what a lot of the focus is. I use really technical stuff to kind of actually strip away some of the too perfect look. Yeah. It's that, too good. Yeah. 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 Too sharp. Yeah. Too, uh, too present, too crisp. Before we began,
0: Lisa was saying she likes your light leaks. I love your
1: light leaks. I want your light leaks. Give me your secrets. So
2: she's talking about Plastic Bullet, which is our was our first iPhone app. Uh, we have a couple more now, but yeah, Plastic Bullet photo uh, or Plastic Bullet camera is our is our iPhone app, and basically the uh, yeah the idea was not a new one to uh, to make photos look like they've been captured with a toy plastic camera, yeah. but, but I think what we uniquely bring to bear is that we have this image processing technology that really understands how film works, and so those light leaks don't just feel like a layer slapped on top. They really feel like they're kind mm-hmm. of, you know,
1: textures rotting and, out yeah. of
2: the core of the piece of film that maybe you dragged behind a pickup truck and, or found in an <laughs> old shoebox. It's and crazy that it we
1: have this technology that makes Great photos, especially like an iPhone Four, actually takes great, crisp photos, and then we're slapping all mess it up, mess it up, yeah, filters on it to make them look like they're taken with a crappy camera. Yeah,
2: (laughs) well, you know, I mean, I think a lot about that stuff, and I, I really believe that my job as a photographer or as a filmmaker is to not, not to capture reality or to recreate what the human eye sees. My, my job is very specifically to communicate an emotion to a viewer. Mm. If I, if I If I went somewhere really cool like the Kennedy uh, Space Center, and I want to, I I can easily take a photo that proves I was there or that Mm -hmm. shows off how big something was or whatever. But if I can take a photo that makes you feel the way I felt when I was standing there, Mm -hmm. that's something special. And that has almost nothing to do with uh, technical precision. Uh, it, it, It does play into it, but it's surprising how oftentimes, you know, these technically amazing lenses like some of the ones I brought with me today, Mm -hmm. you know, we do things like we shoot with our 50 millimeter lenses wide open when they were never really designed to be shot that way because less Mm -hmm. is more. We throw that background out of focus and then we're able to isolate the emotional component of a Mm -hmm. shot as opposed to meticulously recreate all uh, a, a bit of distracting information in the background that your iPhone four, for example, will happily meticulously. <laughs> That's all re- I can do. Yeah, in yeah. Fact. so so your shot of your mom becomes a shot of your mom and, <laughs> and like <the> dog <laughs> and the <laughs> yeah. tree and the people down the street. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we, you know, will happily smudge that all out for you for only a dollar ninety nine. <laughs> I,
1: I love I love your post processing. Where do you get the ideas? I mean. You say obviously you take a lot of inspiration from from film. Yeah, yeah. Do you actually take from actual films I that do, you watch? Yeah. Yeah. Every
2: every time I Netflix a new movie, I am still <laughs> a stalwart to get uh, the discs. And in fact, even if I even if I get a Blu-ray, I'll return the Blu-ray and get the the DVD back so that I can screen <laughs> capture it. And I keep a library with me on my iPad oh, and iPhone smart. of of reference images from movies. And that's actually. Uh, just a huge part to me of just why it's so great to have these kind of mobile devices. Cause you can just keep kind of an mm-hmm. inspiration book with you at all times. And, uh, yeah, I just ruthlessly st- steal color palettes from movies. And, uh, you know, there's some really, as a commercial director, I got to work with these, these guys who's literally their job is colorist. You know, they mm-hmm. the film comes in or now maybe some digital formats come in, but you sit with a really gifted post-processing mm-hmm. genius and he or she, Takes your footage and makes it more than the sum of its parts. Makes it just pop off the screen. Mm-hmm. And getting to work with some of these guys like Stefan Sonnenfeld, who color corrects all the Transformers movies, and Dave Hussey is another Those great. Those movies look. Oh yeah, great. I mean they just.
1: Yeah. Oh, they just. I mean, explode, magi- you know? He's got Magic Hour under control, and he makes Magic Hour <laughs> yeah. look even. And obviously, more it is you
2: know it is good to remember that it's it's a collaborative effort. If it isn't there on film then it isn't gonna you you can't really make magic happen in the color correction unless the shot was beautiful Mm -hmm. to begin with but uh, I picked up a lot of tricks from these guys and so when I'm sitting in Lightroom I'm actually kind of trying to find the equivalent sliders to do the kinds of adjustments
1: so you use Lightroom and Photoshop are your main tools I
2: almost never touch Photoshop. Wow. And to me, there's something about Lightroom that just f- makes me feel like Lightroom is photography and Photoshop is something else. And and, I, and this is probably just laziness on my part and, yeah. and, and the fact that I have the great luxury of not being a professional photographer, so I don't yeah. have to <laughs> deal with a client who says, you know, we didn't like my mother-in-law's hair in any of these right. photos from our <laughs> wedding or whatever, you yeah. know, like... Um, but to me, if you can do it in Lightroom, then it's photography, and if it's not, it's not, and and so that's kind of where just for my own. So
1: you don't do a lot of manipulations, cloning, and getting rid of.
2: I do. I do every last ounce of it that Lightroom will let me do, but <laughs> no know. more. But yeah. no more. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I, I mean, yeah, there's times where I, I bust it out, but I I don't I don't know why. I just kind of feel like. Uh, I mean, I love all the local corrections. I love all that stuff. You know, I have. Uh, but your
1: col- like you're thinking on on a bigger picture, like the color and those things, rather than like. Yeah, and maybe in part, like, I'm details. also kind of
2: afraid of the rabbit hole of just diving down mm-hmm. too far deep into. That's there where and I'm, just I'm never at. I'm yeah. yeah,
1: I'm in that place where I'm changing people's heads and like taking eyes from different shots.
0: That's a rabbit hole for <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: sure. a <laughs> never-ending I, I, process. No, you know, I have a shot like that that I took three years ago where I was literally trying to just merge three, yeah. you know, group portrait shots into the perfect one. It's, it's almost done. Nice.
0: Damn, <laughs> I'm almost done with that. Yeah. You
2: need Microsoft Windows. They can do that on the
0: TV all the time. I see it. I see it. Oh, Every time so well. they do that. Sue Masowicz is here. He, uh, his blog is prolost.com. Somebody in the chat room says, we are we ever going to see a
2: Sin City 2? Oh, actually, you know, it's something I think that they're working on. Oh, good. Yeah, I don't have any insider information on it other than just uh, what's been reported. which it was is a beautiful-looking film and oh, really yeah. unique. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it was really just, I mean, if there's anyone who's maybe more or equally a hero to me than Robert Rodriguez, it was Frank Miller. So yeah. when, when, and in forever, he had kind of said that they weren't going to make that movie, but Robert was the one. Robert literally, I don't know how many people know this story, but Robert, you know, Flew Frank to Austin, wow. and had set up a shoot, and was and just basically said, "You're the director, and we're 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 just shooting one of your um, <laughs> short Sin City stories, like a little two pager." And uh, it became the bracketing bookend of the movie. Neat. Um, and uh, and Frank just kind of got a taste of it and uh, co-directed the movie with Robert. That's
0: neat. He's of course the creator of the graphic novel. That's right. So yeah, yeah. An artist, not a photographer or. a...
2: Yeah, no, and and so for for him it was an interesting... Well, that was a great privilege for me to be a part of that process of helping to take Frank's... You know, graphical artwork vision and turn it into something photographic. Yeah, he has some it. of the best
1: composition. Oh, it's amazing. Of anyone. Yeah, very just
2: original and interesting.
1: He can tell a story and... in one yeah. frame. Yeah. When
2: I was working with him, I would line up a shot sometimes and he would say, Wow, that's a really great composition. And I'm sitting there thinking, Do I tell him yeah. that the reason that he likes <laughs> it, it matches is that I, exactly? Well, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, because I learned everything. I feel like I learned a ton about composition from reading his books. Right. You yeah. Know, I just, he, he, uh, there's a lot of places to draw inspiration from, but his his images are pure composition. You were doing it right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we'll get more. We actually
0: have some tips from Stu for uh, you and your uh, video making. And uh, we also have a little bit of uh, some gear, which oh, is yeah. going to be a lot of fun. Oh, in yeah. Room. In <laughs> just, just a, a second. This portion of uh, Mostly photos brought to you by our friends at Ford, creators of the 100% all-new reinvented 2011 Ford Explorer. Just take a look at the inside. You'll see. I mean, a gorgeous place for you and your family and all your gear, and exceptional craftsmanship, fit and finish to die for. You got to, You know, the best thing to do is go to a Ford dealer and take a look. Just take a drive in the uh, Ford Explorer. Seven seats with three three rows with up to seven uh, seats. But also, if you want to fold the second and third row down, you get huge cargo capacity, eighty point seven cubic feet. Uh, I don't. I don't know if that's meaningful to, to you, but I could tell you we got. Uh, Plenty of people in the Ford Explorer in Vegas at our our photo walk, and then tons of gear in it later. Great 3.5-liter V6 engine, 290 horsepower, 255-foot-pound of torque. Great for towing, by the way, with that optional tow package of up to 5,000 pounds. And you don't give up mileage. Nowadays, no one can afford to. 25 highway miles per gallon, according to the EPA. That's best in class. The 2011 Ford Explorer. Do get inside. Take a look at the uh, all-new Ford, my Ford Touch. Based on that great Ford sync, the eight inch uh, screen in the console, the two touch screens behind the steering wheel, you can control everything in the vehicle, including all the music with voice commands and touch commands, navigation, the phone. So sweet. Check out the 2011 Ford Explorer, 100% reinvented at a dealer near you. I think you're going to like it. We thank them for uh, sponsoring the mostlyphotoadventures.com site. Check it out, mostlyphotoadventures.com. We're going to go there in a minute and take a look. At our uh, photo award finalists and our winners uh, pretty soon, because Lisa's picked a winner, and you have picked a winner uh-huh. from our finalists last week. But let's get back to our guest, Stu Mashowitz, and our tips for all you... This is good, Lisa, because we've been talking about the idea that we should do uh, more coverage of how to, how to shoot video. Because mm-hmm. everybody now with a high-end SLR, and, he, and certainly all point-and-shoots... Yeah. A video capability.
1: I, I feel like it's it's definitely a window that's opening up to a lot of people and a lot of people when they're thinking about buying their first DSLR considering, you know, I really want to shoot video as well. So how do yeah. I do this? And that, you know, people are kind of scared of video. And I have to say, when I first got my 5D, it it wasn't easy. Yeah. It's not something, it's not like, you know, with your iPhone where you just Hit a button and you're shooting a video. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's actually some talent involved in focusing and, <laughs> you know, certainly lens choice and that kind of thing. So yeah, and,
2: you're, and you're also you're fighting a form factor. You're suddenly uh, this thing. That's, that's the been biggest so problem. Yeah. It's not made for that, is yeah. it? Yeah. It's been so comfortable in your hands. It's your best friend. You're super familiar with it, and all of a sudden you're holding it awkwardly and your shots are wobbly <laughs> and. You, 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 what is? Yeah. Well,
0: you've got a rig. We'll show that in a little bit that yeah. that, that, that transforms that. But let's get to uh, some of your tips. Tip number one is something you call decoy shooting. And this solves my problem exactly, because every time I come up to somebody and say, let me take your picture, they pose for me. Yes. And I hate
2: that. Yeah, and you and, and I, I think it, we're all interested in exploring that, that concept of kind of street photography where you just randomly approach people. Some of us are braver about it than others. Right. Um, it's something you can actually do uh, with video as well as with stills, but there's a knack to getting someone to kind of slip out of that mode of being uh photographed. Here's a great shot. uh, I love this. So this was actually, I was, um, overseeing (laughs) the visual effects work on a commercial that we were shooting at Disney. And I had my, uh, 5D with me for, uh, just reference photography. And, uh, literally we just wanted to show off the lens to one of the guys I was shooting with. So I just (laughs) walked up to the row of people who were watching us shoot. We had, you know, uh, some of the costume characters and stuff there. So we had attracted a little bit of a crowd. And, um, and I, came up to this group of girls and I could tell that she was shy about something. She wouldn't right. smile when all of her friends would smile. Aww. And so I kind of made it my little mission in life <laughs> to sm- open that a mouth, sincere moment of this girl. And so, yeah, so decoy shooting, right? Your first few shots, the person is posing. Yeah. They're right. hyper aware that there's a camera yeah. there and, and they're not used to that click, click, click of the, you know, the rapid fire. And so you just use that, just blow yeah. through a bunch of shots. You know, you're going to spend them and you're just going to throw them all away. Yeah. And then you pause and you let her think you're done <laughs> and she giggles and she and all this sincere moment comes out. And I just I mean, look at that smile. It just explodes yeah. off her yeah. face. Like I, that, that shot makes me so happy every time I see it. So that, that's that's decoy shooting. I see it all the time where people are click, click, click. They take the posed photo and then they drop and the, the best camera and photo. start chimping the, ca- yeah. the, the photo yeah. And meanwhile, their subject is giving them all the good stuff that they're sitting there going, why didn't I get it? And it's happening right in front of them while their camera's pointed at their face.
0: What do you call that, chimping the photo?
2: (laughs) I like that. That's that's a sort of inside baseball photography term for (laughs) spending time, you know... uh,
1: Well, uh, uh, Re- reliving the recent past, <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and there's all you can you can chimp with a friend too. You can hand you hey look at that. Hey.
0: <laughs> I chimp too much. I've, that's my problem. Yeah. I'm not getting those great photos. Chimp less, shoot more. So since you're a color expert. Tip number two has a little bit to do with uh, with color.
2: Yeah, yeah, and actually it gets back to what I was saying about keeping that library of reference images, which is um, skin tone is just so important. It's just it's a really interesting thing about, and you know this from calibrating your video cameras and whatever. You yeah, we always calibrate for yeah.
0: skin. Yeah, That's exactly. What you want.
2: It's the sweet spot, and it's actually yeah. for NTSC video, the whole signal orbits around, around skin. skin. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. There's that line on the vectorscope that video people know that like. The skin. Uh, yeah, that's just, yeah, and if you and if you're not right on that line, right, then suddenly your face and your shirt are the same color, you know, which it, they actually kind of are. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you look great there, and that's um,
0: it's this it's a pink shirt.
2: <laughs> but you could, if you weren't careful, you could look a lot like the little uh, sunflower guy behind you, too. right? So right. so somewhere right. between the orange of the sunflower and the pink of the shirt is this color I call porange. Which is what people orange. are. Orange. Orange, yeah. White people are, obviously. No, actually, all people are orange. Even if, if, you're, if you're black, you're e, orange? E, black people are orange because the hue doesn't change. We're all on that line. We have different saturations and oh, we that's have That's interesting.
0: So it's just more saturated.
2: Yeah, or, or lower luminance or whatever right. it is. But like we all want to live on that line. And certainly so is this guy like
0: definitive orange, Ben Mint? <laughs> yeah, so
2: that's um, <laughs> at, uh, the, standing outside of uh, does, the Blue Bottle Coffee. Does uh, he know he's perfect orange? <laughs> he uh, he does now. He's <laughs> believe it or not, that's actually uh, that guy is a one of the quality engineers on the Adobe Lightroom team. Awesome, and uh, he's an old friend of mine. We went to uh, like first grade together. Oh, And that's great. he is the perfect orange in that shot. And the way I know that is there's no real tool. Unlike, you know, some of the video tools and like we have a version of Magic Boat Looks called Photo Looks that actually gives you some tools to help measure this stuff. But if you are just sitting in Lightroom, you don't really have a, you, it's really you have true. a histogram you, you to navigate know. luminance values by, but you don't yeah. really have a compass to navigate hue by. So to me, I just cheat and I bring in a shot from a movie that I think is beautiful and I just lay it right alongside. You eyeball it. I just eyeball it. But I... But I very specifically will match them exactly. Like That's the thing I think that people should feel okay about doing is getting in there and grabbing those controls. In um, you know, in Adobe Camera Raw or in, in, uh, in Lightroom, there's a little group of, of controls I think not a lot of people touch, which are the, uh, the individual hue offsets for different colors. So you can uh, literally yes, take yes. orange and you can make it more yellow or more pink. And that's basically the person knob. You can adjust people with just one slider. And uh,
1: so you're doing all of this in post. So I mean, are you concerned with white balance when you shoot, or? Is,
2: or I always shoot raw, so I'm never sh- concerned with white balance when I shoot. And I'm also not concerned at all with getting a shot correct. I'm I'm concerned <laughs> with bringing home a robust negative. So I definitely gotcha. think a lot about my exposure and making sure that. If I think I'm going to want to recover something from a sky that I have it in the shot, right? Um, so show me where, where to look on uh, okay, on Lightroom. Yeah, so scroll here. scroll down below. So the we're Atone in the develop the develop uh, page of Lightroom. Yeah, and down farther farther. And you may actually, you may need to twirl it open. This is the thing. because I don't have it open, yeah. obviously. There you go. That's the thing. Effects? Lens corrections? Uh, no, know, it's higher I up. I
0: think it's the it's the HSL. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, the HSL. The HSL color in yeah, black see, and white. Okay. Look
2: at these, now, right, Look at these now, little things. Right, I've gets, never even seen these. Go. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Oh, okay. man. So these are your best friends in the whole so world. Should
0: I put up a split f- frame and have my, my porridge, uh kind of yeah, have your porridge reference, reference file?
2: Yeah, and if you want a really specific tip, so you can slide orange back and forth and you'll see people start going from yellow to pink. Okay. And you can do kind of the great thing that Lightroom lets you do so well, which is you can just kind of stop looking at the slider and just find where the settings are. I always do this lands. in white
0: balance, but I
2: should really be doing yeah. this in HSL. Yeah, now do your white balance first because the white balance uh, get that right. will well yeah, get it get it feeling right to you right and then um, and then do this slider. and he, And here's the thing if you have someone in the shot who's really ruddy, who's really um, maybe been uh, partying the previous night, uh, okay. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right. I got somebody really ruddy in there. Wow. Yeah. And then fast so I access. should play with Stay the orange? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I meant to uh, say is if you have um a beautiful naked woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I, that's a little too red, I okay, think. So that's yeah. beyond porn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, he wants to get a little yellower. And in fact, so now what you can do take the red slider and yeah. push it to push the, it right. the right. Right. Oh. And you're going to take red and also now you know maybe you want this guy to be red. <laughs> Like, that's are, much more porringy, though than it but was. porngified that guy. Yeah. And and he and he now looks a little more like a human being and a little bit this, less like this, a beat. This know? is
0: I, this was shot with a poor camera phone, so I'm I, I can see I'm having some trouble here by pornging him. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, but you, you get the idea. I'm going things. for the I'm going for the Ben Mint look. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So so I don't so think
2: that's ke- gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta. <laughs> You gotta find the right reference to kind of do it within reason, and I every- love the idea of
0: taking a still from a movie. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, obviously, whatever floats your boat in terms of reference, but to me, like, kind of a cinematic look and feel is what I shoot for with my stills. Right. So.
1: Now, are you concerned with um, monitor calibration and that kind of thing when you're dealing with?
2: Yeah, I yeah. am. I calibrate, <laughs> I calibrate my monitors, but I, I, do think it is possible to go uh, too far down that rabbit hole too. I think actually, those of us who use Macs are pretty lucky in the sense mm-hmm. that the monitor falls off the truck. They're pretty good. Pretty good, and okay. with a color profile that jibes well. You're not with. using a colorimeter, and, and, and you don't
1: use like a spider or. or spectrefl- I do actually. I
2: do. You, do. I, you know, I, 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 hoard, I jealously hoard my old 30-inch cinema display, and I have that one properly color calibrated. Oh, but the truth is, I just, I just bought. In fact. Just as I got in the car to come here, my 27-inch iMac Core i7 showed up. Yay. So sitting, sitting you know, out. I want to thank you for, because for, I would have just called in sick.
0: <laughs> I want to thank you for yeah, showing up. i demonstrating
2: out. my commitment. Yeah, I would have <laughs> said, screw these guys. I got a, I got an iMac to open. No, it was really hard to leave. Actually. Yeah. Aww. So I'm going to, you know, this is going to be an interesting. That those displays, as you know, are so different than kind of a properly mm-hmm. calibratable display. I'm going to take it as a little challenging Personal project to see what I can do with it because I know that some folks have gone down the road of trying to use a spider to calibrate those and have wound up feeling like actually the default settings better. were better. Yeah. yeah. So it is it is possible to sometimes try to pound a square peg into a round hole a little too hard. So,
1: assuming you don't have a Mac, though, w- w- can you give some tips for those people? Because pe- people have asked me, and you yeah. know, I, I've always had a Mac, so I'm not really sure.
2: Yeah, I mean buy one of those things and, and just follow it and read Spider's the Spider's not that expensive. Yeah, no, no, they're about $100. Yeah, and I think I don't think you need anything super special, but I think just the process of doing it, it does two things, obviously. It, it calibrates and then profiles your display. When you mm-hmm. launch something like Lightroom or Aputure, the the pixels aren't just being pushed to the screen. They're being pushed through the screen through a layer of adjustment that is aware of the particulars of your screen. And so as long as you have a profile that is right for your display... Mm-hmm. And in the case of a Mac, that might just be a best guess based on what the manufacturer thought. Mm-hmm. But in the case of when you buy the Spider and do the profile, then it really is measured. Um, you're going you're gonna to get better results. Although I will say this. I will say this. For those of us dilettante photographers who don't print as much as we should and who don't, you know. Yeah, yeah that's me. <laughs> you know, who are just kind <laughs> of like enjoying life in the digital world and leaving yeah. like a, a scattered trail of digital images in our wake. I, mm-hmm. I really do think that it is possible to get too navel gazy about this calibration stuff. If you're pushing images out and you like the way they look Because every
0: screen that's gonna be it's gonna be on is gonna be different. Exactly. So you're kinda exactly. out of luck anyway. Um,
2: this is something yeah. we that, can't
0: control that.
2: This is kind of the what you're seeing now is the video guy talking again because I am aware of like, you know, where we would have these reference yeah, monitors you'd have these, and, you know, yeah. super expensive and notice that, you know, you don't have We don't do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because you know <laughs> I I say,
0: hey it still looks pretty porn. I'm gonna go for it. That's
2: <laughs> That's my shirt, that's my face, okay, close enough, yeah. we'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know that it's going to vary from place to place, but it's going to vary, it's going to be predictably off. And if people are sitting at home right. and their yeah. TV saturation is turned way up and everyone's lobster vision on their screen. That's their problem. That's, that's what they're used to. And everything else looks like that. So. Everything else looks like that. So you're, the, the reason to line up your skin tones properly is often so that your skin tones will be... As off as all the other skin tones on your mom's TV. Yeah.
1: I, I'm more concerned about aspect ratio because oh that God. one is not attractive. Well, then don't to go to my dentist.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Everything's in a reverse Paula Abdul vision, right? Oh, or like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. Sometimes I'll, I'll tweet out aspect ratio police, you know, photos oh. that I'm, just, I'm I'm
0: sorry. I don't understand what you're talking about. What do you mean? <laughs> Aspect ratio, like sixteen, nine, yeah, four three, exactly. I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. So like just, if something's stretched. Yeah. Yes. yeah.
1: So obviously if you have like four by three and then it's stretched to sixteen by that doesn't nine. Look good. you, you no. do not look like an attractive person. No. You're yes. like, Whoop. that's
0: by the way, that's my standard. This is I'm stretched, just so you know. I <laughs> everybody understand I'm actually much much slimmer than I look. So you also talk about uh not just color, but color Contrast. Yeah. So yeah. here's an image. Explain to me what you're talking about when you yeah, say color so this, contrast.
2: Yeah. So this and also actually after this, maybe we can go back to the blog and I, we can look at that picture of Trey actually because it's a good example. Okay. But but this was a shot. So this is um, in Brooklyn. There's this uh, diner and this cool sort of vintage motorcycle repair shop right in front of it. Mm-hmm. And the um, the the thing is that that shot when I got in the camera, everything about it was kind of uniformly this kind of grayish, warmish kind of uh, kind
0: mush. You know, There's a gray mush.
2: There was a gray mush. and um, and I felt like there was something in there worth pulling out. and so I started playing with some controls, and we can we can get into the specifics of this. Um, but I, the, the, there are there is a a trick that is used in film color correction, which is to not just enhance contrast, but to enhance color contrast by pulling familiar colors farther apart. And it has to do with porn, because the complement to porn is sort of a cyanish mm-hmm. kind of much like your logo back there, right? right, right. So
0: um, so it's kind of, it's a, a paler kind of, it's mm-hmm. cold, cool where we're, we're warm. Yeah, exactly.
2: It's, it's a direct complement on a
0: mm-hmm. color wheel. And this is a very cool photo. It's cool yeah. blues.
2: So yeah. what I did in this photo is basically I warmed up the highlights and cooled off the shadows. Mm. So the midtones, so everything that's black becomes bluish black Ah, and I when we see someone like wearing a leather jacket or when we see like a black car tire or whatever it's not really black it's not really black Mm -hmm. and it's also usually kind of like a warmish gray like a Ah, like a brownish gray but don't let it be don't let it get away with a brownish gray because then you just have a image that looks like it was just sort of slathered in sort of a brownish wash you know get those things that aren't people as far away from people colors as possible and so in the case of the motorcycle tires Mm -hmm. and some of the non-rusty parts of the motorcycle, I pushed them to this cool blue color and that lets the non-rusty parts pop off. And so the color contrast I think is what makes that shot compelling. Every little nook and cranny of that bike has interesting details that pop not just spatially and in sort of a a tone range, Mm -hmm. but they also, it becomes like a uh, in, like a like a duotone kind of a shot where there's warms and cools. It is duot-
0: duotone, duotone. Yeah. It's like a monochromatic palette. Yeah. You yeah.
2: know, palette control is something that is really important so in film color. Correction. Show
0: us how to do that in uh, Lightroom. I know not everybody uses Lightroom. Sometimes you use Aperture or some other. Thing. Yeah, where,
2: where on the controls here do I go? All right. So believe it or not, there is actually you know if you were doing a black and white shot in Lightroom, you can do that kind of duotone thing where you can tint the highlights one way right. and the shadows the right. other way, right? So let's find those controls. I think they're below the is HSL. here? here? Is that it? Uh, no, you don't actually need to go into black and white to do this. This oh. is the trick that nobody knows. Okay. So if you were, actually, leave it in black and white for a sec. Okay. And scroll down and let's find the duotone controls, whatever There's, they are. It's called that, huh? Yeah, I think so. Split toning? Split tone, that's the one, yeah. All right. Okay. So now um, you get a, a highlight color and a shadow color. Right. So pick sort of a yellowy, orangey color for the highlight. Okay and bring up the saturation. Okay.
0: So we'll see more of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There is okay. kind of right. And
2: then here. uh and then same now pick a bluish cyanish kind of color for okay. the shadows and okay. bring up saturation. Okay. Oh, we've duotoned it. Yeah, so now we've duotoned it. Now, Look at here's that. here's the trick. Go up to your um to your hue curves right up there where you put the image into black and white. Yeah. And switch it out of black and white Back to, Back to HSL or color. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what a nice effect. Look at that. So now all the parts awesome. of the train that were black are now a cool black. And all the parts of the train that were warm are now emphasized warm. So yeah, you I have know. increased the color contrast of your shot. And these look, sliders are still live, so you can still play with I this. I love how uh,
1: you're doing all of this in Lightroom because I would just pull it in to Photoshop and, and spend like hours, hours just... Or, just yeah, yeah, and... Like really, I could do a lot of gradient maps and that kind of thing to to get color, but it yeah. really
0: changes the uh, the feel of that picture.
2: That's it's a good. you so you picked a perfect shot to try this on. Actually, I, I really like I really like what what happened there. Yeah, just, I think sometimes the blacks kind of came became very interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can yeah. So th- is that your before? Is that are you are your before? Before I can go back to this is uh, this is the after we've tweaked it a little bit. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a great way to kind of pop your shot. It's really possible to overdo it. But what's great about Lightroom is that you can store a preset just for those settings. Right. So if you Mm -hmm. just have like a little hint of warm highlights, hint of blue shadows and store that as a preset just for those settings only, it's something you can just click on and you'll find yourself just compulsively clicking on it for every single one of your shots.
0: Very cool. And I'm sure, you know, you could do the same in Aperture and other uh, programs. Yeah,
2: Aperture has like a full kind of copy of Photoshop's levels controls. And so it might be a little fussy, but you can certainly do it fussy i don't like (laughs) (laughs) me neither i I think uh,
1: lightroom is worth investing in you can even do a trial for a month for free yeah so it's 300
2: bucks but
0: if you're serious about your photography i yeah i
2: think it's a no-brainer i I just i love it i mean i love it for a couple reasons one of them is that i just my photos get places when i use it because they have that new publishing feature which is right i love it it's the best right it's just it just means that like you know, I mean, I have a, I have a Flickr, Facebook, and Smug Mug, and yeah. I just say publish that there, publish. That well, there, and publish you know, that. I have a, I have a young son at home and parents in yep. Minnesota with an iMac, where their uh, screensaver is <gasps> linked to a Dropbox folder that I administer Very from cool. m- from Lightroom. So they so get new pictures all I the time. I can drag a shot of my kid into this folder and hit publish, and they have Neat. new photos that day. That, That's so a good that, idea. that kind of stuff, you know, keeps families together. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Stu Mashwitz is here. He's from ProLost.com. Actually, did you want to, we'll quickly go to the blog and take a look at, uh, you because you wanted to look at a, a Trey oh, yeah. so so shot just, that yeah, did the same kind same of, kind of conclude thing. To include
2: all of the tips back into one, um, I, I, I mean, you don't need to trick Trey into looking cool in a shot, but but uh, <laughs> this, I I used every single one of the tools that we just talked about. In all of these. Um, I know, in all of these. The, yeah. the VAB is maybe not quite as cyan as I made it in those shots, and, and Trey...
0: Look at that. That is way cyan.
2: Yeah, so... You yeah. can definitely see like a slight warmish tinge to uh-huh. the to the uh, to the clouds, and uh-huh. definitely a, a slight. You know the again. I wanted to pop off those doors. By the way, uh, that you're seeing there on the side, um, each one of those is as tall as if you were standing on the deck of the Golden Gate Bridge, looking up at one of the towers. Wow, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but yeah, I wanted to pop kind of the, those doors off the of the building, so use those tools. And then in the shot of Trey, I cooled off the environment which popped his skin tones out his skin tones wound up then getting a little pink so I used the porn slider to Go get ahead. him back into the right color so he looks like a person should look and the VAB looks even more kind of uh, stark and metallic and and uh, and details like those big orange brackets which are actually holdovers they were designed to hold the Saturn V rocket is if I'm not mistaken uh, pop out more yep. um, you know that shot before you know, looked kind of uniformly, kind of mushily, warmish gray. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, popping the color contrast not only uh, makes it all look better, but it makes the, 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 the person stand out of it, which to me, this is, I guess, the difference kind of between, like, uh, 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 a rank amateur like myself and a professional like like Trey is that Trey can go into the VAB and take a picture, an indelible picture of the VAB <laughs> right. that will like go down in history right. as like the right. photo of right. the VAB. The I actually line. have yeah. to cheat and put a person into it to make the shot interesting. Uh, well,
0: I'm wearing your, ba- in your, in your ball
2: park, so I need. I appreciate the tit, the tip. That's really, that's really. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like unless you're Ansel Adams, get your mom in the shot.
0: It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just so you know, this was Trey's picture of the VAB yeah. that he was taking. While you were taking, I kind of had
2: a feeling that I was documenting something important <laughs>
0: while I was
1: uh,
0: taking a spot. Amazing. Yeah. Stu, though, you're great. Uh, these are great tips. I, I'm really getting a lot yeah, out of it. Did, I can't did. wait down to get into Lightroom and fix all the bad photos. Right <laughs> <laughs> and there are quite a few of them. Before we get to uh, Trey, actually, uh, uh, Stu uh, has a favorite photo. This is a new feature. I love this idea that we're going to pick one of their mm. fame, famous, best yeah. loved pictures and then kind of. You could tell us the story behind the sure, show. Sure, yeah. So the story in just a moment behind Epic Sundown. But before we uh, before we do that, I'd like to tell you about our friends at Audible. dot com, the great place to go to get your favorite audio books. Seventy thousand titles. I live on Audible. dot com. I have to say, uh, if it weren't for Audible, I would have probably. Uh, Gone crazy commuting to San Francisco, <laughs> which I did for thirteen years, uh, saved my life, and I still listen to audiobooks like crazy. You can get your first audiobook from Audible absolutely free right now if you go to AudiblePodcast.com slash mostly photo. So many great books to choose from. I don't know how you're gonna pick. You said Stu, you listen to Audible books? Yeah, yeah. Do you like fiction? What do you like to listen to?
2: I do kind of equal parts kind of uh bad airport spy fiction Robert Ludlum kind of stuff. Yep, nice. And then also, you know, after I came back from my trip and meeting Trey, he uh, suggested that I should read Predictably Irrational. What Have a great book. He one? picked that yeah. before. Yeah, yeah. It's such a good book. So that, that definitely. Highly yeah. recommend it. Any I'm looking, Company on their flight home.
0: You learn so much. You can enjoy and learn. I'm very interested in this one. Area 51, the uncensored history of America's top secret military base. Oh, that looks cool. Doesn't <laughs> There's so many great things. Um, no, I'll tell wait, you one. one. Yeah, no kidding. Go to audiblepodcast dot com slash mostlyphoto. Pick your book. The first month is free. Your first book is free. You can cancel it anytime. It's yours to keep forever. We love Audible. It plays on all your devices, including all the i devices the iPhone, iPod, iPad. It also plays on all Android devices. In fact, those Audible apps. I love that Audible app. It's incredible for Android and iPhone. Your whole library is there. You can listen at any time do try it. You're going to love it. Audiblepodcast.com slash mostlyphoto. We thank them for their support of the Mostly Photo show. All right, let's take a look at this picture and uh, let's hear the story uh, behind the picture. It's called, uh, I got to pull it up. Where is it?
2: Yeah, this is actually somebody that you met. Uh, this is uh, Mike Seymour in this shot. Oh. Um, and uh, you, he uh, he came on uh, Twitter, I think, when you were at NAB. Oh, And yeah. he brought with him that camera that's in his hands. That was amazing yeah. and epic. Yeah. So uh, so Mike is an old friend, and um, he some of the shots that he was showing were shots that he and I shot together, shots that in I helico- shot. Those helicopter shots yeah. were mind boggling So he and I took turns. This was his turn. So I'm... Uh, in the um, kind of shotgun seat. Go um, back if you haven't,
0: folks. Looked at that. I can't remember which Twitch special it was from NAB, but he, we showed a lot of the footage yeah. from this camera, and it was just mind-boggling. Yeah, boggling yeah really.
2: Mike, I think did a 4k, really good job. Five K, five K, five K, basically kind of a seventy-sized sensor, um, but IMAX resolution. Yeah, and um, that that lens on there is actually uh, a a kind of Kitted out converted stills lens. So it's from a, a, a company called Duclos Lenses. And it's, a, I think it's a Tokina um, 11 to 16 zoom. Hmm. And uh, but he rigs them up. Actually, we'll talk about this when I get to the gear, but um, you know, with focus gears and all that stuff. And Mike's got it on a, a gyro stabilizing rig. Now, here's the thing we went to New Zealand, we shot amazing footage, we were using this amazing camera. Um, w- my job here in in the co-pilot seat was just to kind of pick fun locations and to just really give Mike a chance to use his own camera because I had spent the morning doing what he's doing, dangling out of the helicopter. (laughs) And I had a profound sense of just the emotional experience of being in a new country, Mm -hmm. a beautiful place. So beautiful. And being able to see it in such a special way, dangling out of a helicopter with a really cool camera in my hands. I just, again, kind of overcome with the emotion of the situation. So at the end of the day, we're kind of running out of maybe Mm -hmm. stuff to shoot. The sun is going down hmm. and Mike's kind of got that like, you know, adventure guy kind of look on his, you know, <laughs> his, 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 his strapped into the helicopter. His business partner's holding onto that strap there oh, so dear. you can lean out. Oh dear. We're, you know, I don't know, probably six, seven hundred feet off the water there. And the and the sun just kind of exploded behind him like that. And I just thought this is gonna be the shot that not only reminds me of the experience of mm-hmm. going off and doing this shoot, but I think would instantly sell the experience and and make anyone looking at it feel the way we felt doing this, you know? So, uh, you know, it was, a it was one of those rare opportunities, you know, sometimes I think we compulsively are just pressing that shutter button going, I'm trying to bring something home with me, yeah. you know, and uh, something really precious. And, and you wind up with a bunch of garbage. You yeah, know? I got so 6,000 feel... 6, from my <laughs> last trip. Yeah. And don't you feel like it's kind of a compulsion? Yeah. Like yeah. So, you're experiencing something and you want to hold on to it. And, yeah. and you've got a tool in your, in your hands that you know can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it works, I, I do feel like, you know, that's a special occasion. So, really great. One, one shot, you know, out of 6,000 that actually does do that. So it's that all about capturing
1: a moment. And obviously, I remember a post you wrote. Um, one of the first things I ever re- read from you is about how important light is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And just how it's, you know, there's three things that are important. And, right. and light is just because so, you have moment. And yeah. you have light. Right. There's and when two, those two combined, and that's what the shot is it's moment <laughs> and light combined into one. Yeah.
2: And, and the third one, which is the fact of the matter, just the simple subject matter, you know, which right. I know Rick talked about uh, on a recent show, right? He talked yeah. about, like, don't, I never underestimate the power of a good subject. Like, to me, actually, I, I almost have the, again, not, I have the advantage of not being a professional. So I have the sort of inverse priority. To me, light now is what gets my camera out of the bag.
1: Yeah. And, for me and too. then I
2: look for a moment. <laughs> and at that moment, I don't care what the fact is. I don't care what I'm taking a photo. It's nice when it can be something really cool, like a guy hanging out of a helicopter with a prototype camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but honestly, it's a weird thing because now having a infant toddler running around my house, I watch him and I watch him do things like ignore shadows and see objects. And I realize that actually from a really young age, we are learning to not see light. Right. And so we have to want to take up this photography thing you, you you actually have you have to back out of that you have to kind of unlearn mm. some habits that helped you you know not trip over things when when you were first learning how the world operates you know mm. if, if you got distracted by shadows as a as a toddler you would never m- survive in the world you know mm. um and uh so learning to see light is such a commonly said thing that it borders on cliche but i did write a post called fact moment light on proloss.com that if people want to read it it is kind of my... that was
1: yeah that was something that really inspired me it was that one, right? oh, yeah awesome. no it was one of the oh, first thanks. things that that I was like okay yeah this is this is what it is and i think for me now too I, I seek light and every time I see great light, yeah. I don't care what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's why I always feel like I always have to have a camera on me. And Absolutely. whether it's, 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 you know, I try to have my 5D, but if I don't, I always have my iPhone. Yeah. I see great light wherever I am. Everyone in the group has to stop and we're capturing this Yeah, because yeah. it's just, it's just those moments that. And 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 to think you're never going to come back to that moment. I think people think, oh, I'll get it later. Yeah, You're yeah. never going to get that later. Yeah,
2: light, light, light helps you kind of crystallize that 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 uh, preciousness of those moments because there is, you can scout a location for the perfect little shaft of light that's going to hit there, but it just there's no guarantees. Yeah. you know, things change. It's in a that
1: day. it's the unexpected moments and being prepared for them and yeah. capturing them when they're happening. Absolutely. So Stu
0: brought some uh, gear.
1: Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> let's see what. You, let's see what you. We got. haven't seen video gear. Other Philip Bloom came on and, and he talked a bit about video oh. gear, but
0: that guy. What is now that this. Doing? So <laughs> talk about decoy. <laughs> this is uh, for an an SLR. Yeah. Turns so it you're, into you're, a video camera though.
2: Yeah, so this is um, this is from a company. This is actually kind of a hybrid rig. Um, there's, there's a uh, shoulder mount rig from a company called Red Rock Micro. And then there's an eyepiece from a company called Zacuto. And basically, I've got a frame that is kind of uh, stuck on the back of my 7D here. And I can click this eyepiece onto it. And then... um, So you
0: were saying how uncomfortable it is to shoot video with your
2: DSLR. This
0: basically turns it into exactly the same form factor as a video camera. That's
2: exactly right. So this is kind of trying to offset the... Uncomfortableness that you feel when you first start shooting video with your SLR right. and um, what it 's doing is it 's changing the weight distribution and it 's also um, you know kind of uh, catamaraning the the, the 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 camera out onto this little outrigger so that the camera can go right in front of you there 's other ways to do this too. you can leave the camera over here and you can put a little monitor here or a separate viewfinder, but this is kind of the most minimal configuration. One of the things I have trouble with because of these
0: really high-resolution 1080p SLRs is if you don't hold it pretty steady you're gonna make people sick so, <laughs> yeah. but, so I feel like I am always have to put it on a tripod to take advantage of that Christmas well, but fighting, this is a nice halfway point
2: yeah you're fighting a couple things um, the as high resolution as they are they don't resolve detail as well as a proper video camera so if you're just slightly keeping the shot alive, you might wind up with sizzling. That's edges what it is. Like okay.
0: That. Plus the CMOS rolling. And then there's the
2: get. rolling shutter, right? Yeah. Which is that. It, you're not just swimming, but you're also sloshing. That's why I want them. to
0: always put it on sticks. Yeah,
2: which, by the way, is the right thing to do. I, I have a thing about tripods, which is tripods are like pants. You use them, you know, because <laughs> you have some respect for yourself. You know? like, <laughs> like, uh, but, but there yeah. is a time and a place for handheld, and, and you, it's not every time and every place. But right. if you're going to do it, um, it isn't it, – it's. You know, I don't want to give anyone the impression this this rig this total cost of this rig is is probably I mean, the, the the you short.
0: should have bought a video camera is what you're
2: saying yeah I mean well <laughs> you know th- it's thousands of bucks right this, this so this is going to be about sixteen hundred bucks for this thing and then this little viewfinder in and of itself is maybe two three hundred bucks right. so um there's a lot there's a lot of different there's a whole kind of range of prices this one's really expensive from zakuta but their stuff is amazing so uh you I don't want to give people the impression that you have no business doing this stuff unless you want to go down the road of buying gear. But if you're wondering why your shots are coming back kind of right. not so great, you know the answer lies somewhere down the road of throwing it on sticks, or if yeah. you have to go handheld, supporting yourself, you know, taking taking it seriously and and right. and, and, but and thinking about the,
1: the cost, factor. like how much it used to cost to make amazing this is videos. So much better. This yeah. is so. Yeah. This is nothing. Yeah. And and if you are thinking about doing professional stuff.
2: The combined cost yeah. of this is less than the Sony vx 1000 the first D V camcorder that I ever bought. I went into the good guys and right. I and I like wrestled it out of the guy's hands and bought it <laughs> that day. So like to me, I still this that's predictably irrational, right? You set like a what is it? Like there's a, a, there's a target price right. that you sort of like like gas will always seem cheap. Right. Right. Gas will always seem expensive and computers will always seem cheap to us. So this seems cheap to me. This seems right. like are you kidding yeah. me? And this is a 35 millimeter sized piece of film here. And most importantly is this follow focus here. If you can see there's oh, a gear that's yeah. that is wrapped around the, uh, this is the um, uh, 50 millimeter F1.4. And this is, um, and there's a gear that's wrapped around it. And then there's a gear that mates with it and lets me focus through here. So that and then the magnification of the viewfinder means that I can actually hold the focus really kind of intuitively. As things move around, yeah. Yeah. And and that, that is something...
0: That's another reason I use a tripod. Yeah. Is because I want to focus and I want to leave it there, but this isn't moves. I'm screwed because this is, is all shallow like, focus.
1: One focus is one of the most difficult things when you're, you're sp- just when you're first a camera like this. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. It's I tough. It. It's and tough. And you have to kind of train yourself in the weird kind of logic of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you you're going to what you're going to do is you're going to decide for a while that your style is a hunting-for-focus style, and then you're going to get over that, and you're going to decide that maybe you should learn to focus. So just, you know, find something that's moving around. Just chase your dog around or whatever. Somebody did a video uh, of the
0: Giants World Series parade, and it was all shot with hunting focus. Yeah. yeah. And it was kind of cool for the first three minutes, and then I wanted to throw up. Yeah, no, and it's
2: going to go down in history as kind of like, no good. Signaling the advent of DSLR popularity. <laughs> it was like that we all kind of let ourselves believe the lie that hunting for focus was like a stylistic choice for a little bit. <laughs> Do you
0: have any video that you've shot with this rig uh, online anywhere we could do? I
2: do. If you go to uh, Vimeo, the okay. ProLost account on Vimeo, um, it's sort of a weird example. But um, I, uh, I shot a fake movie trailer with some friends. I like it. Uh, which one should and I? you're
1: using the uh, Canon 7D and the 5D Mark II. Yeah, either one goes on the
2: thing. So look at brick and steel there, the second one in. And so this is a this is kind of a classic case of what I was talking about in terms of uh, the production value and uh, trying to get the most out of these lightweight rigs. This is literally a, a reunion birthday party for a friend's 40th birthday with all of our old, uh, film school buddies. And we got together and we shot a fake action movie trailer and I put all the kind of practices to work. I used this rig, um, shot a bunch of stuff in slow motion with the 7D. That's a lot of re- reason why when I'm shooting video, I, I kind of tend to reach for the 7D first is it has that 60 frames per second, 720p mode. Right. So you can do some slow motion there. And then, um, we uh, And then I, I used um, Colorista and Magic Bullet to color correct the whole thing to try to make it look as much like a Michael Bay movie as possible. Awesome. <laughs> Here it is, brick and steel. <laughs> I should mention that there's some male nudity in this, but it's, okay, like, well, but it's in sort of a European tasteful way. Close your eyes. If
0: male nudity is offensive, please close your eyes now. I love it. So you can immediately see the color. Correction on it. It's great. Here's Ready. Makes such a difference. Makes it look so filmic. Your retirement. Do retirement.
2: Who did the score? It's stock music, believe it or not. It sounds it's great. Trailer music. Like, Slow mo. How did
1: you, Where's the gun
2: <laughs> So, this is the thing about these guys. A lot of these guys, these are all my homeschool buddies, but. They've all gone on to be extremely uh, talented and successful filmmakers. So you're seeing like Pixar directors here, uh, Iron Man Two, fight scene storyboard where artists. Where one man gets very old. <laughs> this is my elaborate. It's time. Forty-year-old uh, <laughs> It's a perfect forty-year-old. Uh, you
0: gotta save something for fifty, though. Trust me. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> and sixty. To relive the past. With Chris Braddock and Dick Steele in At first, at final adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I like
2: it. I like it.
0: We'll tell you what, we'll let you uh, watch yeah, the rest go, of us. We'll cut before there, the male
2: nudity. Yeah, that's
0: uh, probably a good idea. <laughs> I
2: think everyone will appreciate it. It really looks great. A lot of production work. What, Final Cut, is that what you use? Yeah, so I cut that in Final Cut, but then I uh, did sort of a funky workflow where I XML'd it out of Final Cut into Premiere so that I could get it into After Effects, which is where I did all the color work. Yeah, of course, you've written a book on After Effects. You're the king of Yeah, After so Effects, to so. me, that's kind of the way for a video artist who wants to kind of push their work to the next level is to um take kind of a cue from the audio world which is that there's no listening to audio without sitting in a suite with you know a mixing board and being able to kind of sweeten it to me after effects is the best place to kind of sweeten the video so i we have a plugin at red giant software called denoiser so i took all of the noise out of all the footage and i use colorista to color correct it all and While I'm there, I can also do things like add all the visual effects, so those titles that you saw, but also later there's gunfights and things, so I'm adding muzzle flashes. I'm in one place where I can do all those kinds of effects, and that's what I talk about in the book. That's pretty good for a 40th birthday. Well, you know, I mean, obviously... (laughs) How many hours did you put into that thing? I'd had a moment where I was like, is this, am I just doing this because I love my buddy or am I kind of, no, actually I'm like, wait, this is filmmaking and I'm having fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I kind of had to realize like, that's actually sort of the closest thing to a job that I have. So I should just really <laughs> embrace this and have fun with it. So
1: my Do friends are you know, like, Hey,
2: how's that coming? And I'm like, I'm, I, you know, just got a, Few more really complicated visual effects shots to do for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we uh, have some awards to hand out: hundred dollar Amazon gift certificates in our mostly photo uh, awards. Uh, last week we had some really great finalists, and Lisa picked. And it, it was hard, I know, because they were I all know, so good. I know,
1: I know. I just, I, really love this. But how shot. can you not
0: love this? I shot? just love
1: the light, and obviously the expression, and everyone who knows who's shot a child before, shot don't shoot a child, (laughs) take pictures of children, Photographed a child knows how difficult it is to capture a straight on shot like that. Yeah.
0: That's Bob shot 2010 Bob shot. You're going to get a hundred dollar Amazon gift certificate in the mail to you. And this is our people's choice because, you know, people get to vote via Twitter and everybody loved the romance. There's a light. Of the first <laughs> yeah. kiss at the end of the day by Jared Repolado. Good pick, really beautiful. So both of you, Gerald and Bob, you get $100 Amazon certificates and then I invite all of you to go to mostlyphotoadventures.com, click the finalists tab because we have our week 5 finalists and let me show you. These you picked these from how many photos? Thousands of photos I think we we were looking at now. Um this is number one, Blue Ridge at 2 a.m. or something by Tress Chapin. You love those HDR shots, don't you?
1: It's You're Trey. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like HDR. And then Trey's just... Trey won you he's, over. <laughs> he's just sucked me in.
0: Blame Trey. Or Rio at Sunset. Wow. Mm. By CM Ortega. I guess it's landscape photography uh, this time. And finally, this is another HDR shot from Lake. And I'm going to get this wrong. Es Kilstuna by Visual Ideas, and that's something too. Now those three are our finalists, but who's going to be a winner? Well, Lisa will pick her favorite, but you need to pick yours via Twitter. they go to mostlyphotoadventures.com, click the finalists link, and you'll get the Twitter hashtags. There are three of them: mostly photo award 13, 14, and 15. So you get to you get to pick. This is mostly photo award 13. Mostly Photo Award 14. It's easiest if you just do this from the website. And Mostly Photo Award 15. Somebody's going to win a $100 Amazon certificate from Lisa, and somebody's going to win it from you. You get to pick. And uh, this, is, this is a challenge. Which is your favorite?
1: For, for this week, I'd love to set the theme as light. Just light? Yeah, light. Let's just, see your use of I, light. I want to see you head out and, and capture some photos in any way that you feel do, do, what, do
0: what you and Stu were talking about. Start with the light. Yeah, start yeah. with the exactly. light. I love that. Yeah, start with the light and then go So you've go got forward.
1: a week to sort of eye out this light, mm. grab some good, good stuff.
0: So here's how you do it. You go to, you have to have a Flickr account, but you know what? I bet you, you all do. If you don't, it's free to get one. If you have a Yahoo account, that counts. F-L-I-C-K-R dot com. Once you've joined, I want you to join our Mostly Photo uh, group, which is MostlyPhoto.com. Just Mostly Photo. Flickr.com slash groups slash Mostly Photo.
1: No space.
0: No space, no S.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Mostly Photo. Okay. Once you're in the group, then you can submit your pick. Uh, I would say let's put light in the uh, tag. Yeah, put it in a tag. Make it easier for you to find. Yeah. And uh, then we'll pick our finalists uh, next week. And next week, on the 24th, we will also announce our winner. And uh, all you have Mm -hmm. to do is go to com. Click the finalists tab and you'll see our finalists for next week as well as uh maybe your photo in uh in a week and a half. You have until See, let me get this right. I don't have a date on here. You have till the 22nd to vote and then we'll announce it on the 24th. That gives us a couple of days. All right. A Couple of questions from our audience and then uh we'll wrap it up. Go ahead, Lisa, you pick some good ones. Yeah. Oh, you want me to read them? You don't have them in front of you. Question one. <laughs> this comes from Toby, or sorry, Tony Shaler in Albany, Oregon. I'm new to photography, and I bought a Canon EO 7D, just like the one you were using, Stu. Yeah, yep. It's interesting. You prefer that to the 5D?
2: Oh, no, I've got the 5D. You've got both. All right. I basically just... 7D for movies and 5D for stills. You
0: like the video better on the 7D?
2: <laughs> well, no, but I like, there's a couple features. The the 60p is huge for me. So, Mm -hmm. uh, that's what you're looking for. Can't live without either. I mean, I'm the 5D Mark II is like never more than a foot away from my hand with the 50 millimeter f1.2 on it. That's like me, too. You got to just absolutely. Me, too. That's my favorite
0: lens. Uh, he says, I'd like a, um, he's going to shoot video primarily. I'd like uh, a wide angle lens, but I have practically no budget for photography now. I know that the, Mm. cropped sensor in the 7D is not ideal since it will limit the field of view on even the widest lenses. What options do I have in the prosumer that wouldn't cost me a fortune? Are there cheap solutions that will get me by until I can afford the real thing? I don't know the answer off the top of my head to that
2: one. I'm actually going to my own website to look at this because oh. I use the 16-35. to That's kind of what lives yeah, in my bag next I to it. It's a great I lens, right? Lens. I have a not a cheap try. lens. But, it's, but not, it's not a cheap it's lens. Not a cheap so lens. other folks have recommended let's see, I have a
0: Really you have don't a gear section on your I blog? I do,
2: like I have a ProLoss store. So oh, go, that's cool. So
0: where do I go? I go, go to...
2: to the ProLoss store there. Oh, the there Minnesota it is. Thing, and do the 70 Cine Kit. All right, here we go. So it's, I think, the second or third one down there at the top. Uh, uh, go up to the top little categories. So oh, I
0: see, the there. Cine yeah, Kit right. accessories. Oh, no, there's the whole kit.
2: Yeah, the Cine Kit. So I think, so there's the 16 to So this is Pi. what you
0: recommend that people buy
2: yeah, this is me trying to kind of give you like a shortcut to getting for started. the whole
0: filmmaking setup.
2: Yeah, so I think what I'm, I think I offer an alternative. Yeah, look one at of that. these Tokina's there or a Tamron. Yeah, that 11 to 16. So that Tokina 11 to 16. That's not That's bad. the lens that Mike and I were shooting in New Zealand with. With that's a red. That, uh, yeah, that. With uh, an epic. Too close, guy. Uh, uh, now you resurrects. might say that's
0: pricey, but boy, for that, 800 bucks is not bad no, at all. No, that's nothing. F 2.8. That's half
2: price.
1: <laughs> what about picking up an old uh, 17 to 40? Like, uh,
2: Yeah, in fact, I think if you go back one page, I think there was another... What, what's that? Uh, this is the Tamron, the 17 yeah, to 50. That's that? 649. That's yeah, a little so less that's expensive. That's another good option. I think the thing, here's the thing about shooting video. You can let yourself off the hook a little bit. It doesn't like, have to be as crisp. yeah. I mean, I'm a big, you know, red ring snob just like any Canon shooter is, but like... <sighs> If you're only He's sh- talking about the L lens, yeah, if, if you only shoot uh, video, you can you can let yourself off the hook with that stuff a little bit. And, and especially at the wide end, um, these lenses. Now, What are about gonna, the
0: crop factors? You you shoot with the 70 with this lens, right?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, these certainly uh, the the 16, you know, I I keep the the 24 to 70 F 2.8 L right. in my bag all the time. Like that's, that's if is that the kit? No the, no, the kit's the f twenty four to one hundred five, and I ditched that and got the twenty four to seventy. The uh, it's big, it's bigger and bulkier and heavier than the twenty four to one hundred five, but it's faster. Um, and, uh, and obviously, you give up the end of the zoom. But I, I also feel like with the five D Mark II, you got plenty of room to crop. You know, um, the uh, so that lens is really useful in general terms on the five D Mark II. I think kind of the equivalent is the sixteen to thirty five on the. On the seven. When they say sixteen to thirty-five, is that without the crop factor? Do I have to make a multiple? You have to make a multiple yeah. if you want equivalent. If you're of one and you, like half. Me kind of grew up with a with a full frame right. film camera. Like then, yeah, you have to you have to do the one point six. One point six. Yeah, okay. to get the. To, so
0: on this Tamron seventeen to fifty, you multiply uh, times one point six to get the
2: actual. Yeah, that's right. There really is
1: no (laughs) sort of $100, $200 option for a wide-angle lens. It's just too expensive.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, the the beautiful thing about the 50, right, the thrifty-fifty... Yeah. <laughs> is that people have been making 50 millimeter lenses for so long, and it's such a kind of sweet spot, butter zone kind of lens manufacturing that you can get a fast, nice 50, like the. A one four is not too bad. 1.4, 300 bucks, One one eight for, like, I don't know, free in a box of cereal. So, like. <laughs> <laughs> I. I. Uh, but once you want to go wide, you. You battle a lot of stuff. Even the. That 16 to 35 has, like, edge sharpness issues at the 35 mil end of the thing. So, like, you know, you're going to be. Uh, you can spend as much as you want <laughs> right. the, what about like
1: ones. a like a 35 prime
2: oh well those are great I mean the but you're not gonna save a ton of money there either yeah, I they're, mean they're yeah they they're, they're um, both I think canon I know Nikon did this um, they came out with 35 primes that were crop sensor only and they mm-hmm. had not they they used that as an opportunity to make them smaller and cheaper so if you were like you know because I've got a mm-hmm. 50 on this um, on the 7d which is like having a 75 on a 5d and so if i i should really maybe just for kind of general walking around purposes have a 35 prime on there and you could get a pretty cost effective 35 mil prime
1: yeah it's the one prime that i that i don't have and then i'm really interested in checking it out and
0: I noticed that you uh, that you kind of talk about the GH two here. I have a GH one. That's a yeah. it's not a true SLR. Yeah, ha- it has a video pickup. No,
2: it's an EVIL. Yeah, it, uh, what is that? Inter- <laughs> electronic viewfinder. It's, it's a Micro Four Thirds yeah,
0: uh, camera, four-thirds. and it does pretty competent video. I think.
2: Yeah, it's great. In fact, I kind of my next little project is I'm going to slug it onto this rig. I, I have the GH two, and yeah. I'm going to actually uh, see if I can kind of change up my shooting style from. Kind of 5D Mark II with a fast prime for beautiful close-ups of people, and then for more action kind of stuff, Uh, because I do a lot of kind of fight scenes and things like that. uh, Super lightweight uh, GH2 that shoots really good, solid 24p at 1080, and it shoots 60p at 720. And the quality, the codec is a little more abusive, so the compression is is a a little higher, but... Uh, there's not as much of that aliasing kind of sizzle right. that we associate with the SLRs because right. Panasonic really has a foundation in making good high quality video cameras. I bought one just
0: to see, you know. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I kind of did impressed. too. It was like,
2: yeah. you know, you
1: like yours, don't you? I do.
2: Well, I also like I like the uh, Micro Four
0: Thirds because they're more compact. Yeah. yeah. Did you get I the twenty
2: mil pancake lens? The, I did. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of the only. That's the the bummer of it is that that's kind of the only really have, good lens. They don't have a lot of choices. Yeah. yeah. But you can get a. Cheap little adapter. Uh, there's a GH page one. on that. You can use yeah, like OM one lenses. On yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just made. I, I put my uh, sixteen to thirty five. It looks ridiculous when you start putting these Canon lenses on this little thing. It's like a. I need to get the lens, Canon adapter because I have the Olympus yeah.
0: adapter to put the OM one lenses on there. But I should get a Canon. Yeah, adapter. you'll enjoy it because I, I know can you have a Canon bunch lenses. of lenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It works
2: great.
1: Isn't isn't that a bit ridiculous? Like <laughs> like the it's weight of it. It Isn't actually it is a
2: legitimate problem because the, like, it seems uh,
1: really dangerous. You'll, you'll
2: be in the middle of shooting and all of a sudden the image will black out and it, you'll realize that you've let the lens sag a little bit yeah. and it like, <laughs> torques the adapter and the camera goes, whoa, I, I don't have a lens on anymore and it shuts off. So yeah, it is, kind of, you. you know, when you rigs like this, one of the reasons that you have this kind of rail system here is that you can actually, if a lens gets big and heavy Ah, sticking out the top, you can bring in a support that that. mounts on the rails Uh, and and rest the lens. So It's not that you couldn't use this with a smaller camera and a bigger lens, but you're going to get into the zone where you're going to Run another one of these little spans that goes between these carbon fiber rods and and knuckles up underneath the lens and gives it. a Do little Do you have extra to put a
1: counterweight forward. on the on the back? Does it have a counterweight? Yeah. Like so, if you have-
2: so this is just a big solid lump of metal right here, and right. that's its only job is to uh, just make the whole <laughs> it's a thing a cantilever heavier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Stu, it's been
0: such a pleasure meeting you, and thank you so much for uh, for sharing your tips with us. I've learned a lot here. If you want to know really more about fun. Stu. His blog, ProLost.com, is the place to go. And yes, he's got that store with lots of great suggestions and lots of great pictures. That's uh, great if you well. don't
1: know what you're doing. I like the idea. To have just a list. Stu's like, kit. Yeah. Here's yeah. all the stuff I use. great yeah. idea.
0: Thank you, Stu. Really nice to meet you. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you all for joining us. Don't forget MostlyPhotoAdventures.com. We've got another uh, contest going on, our People's Choice and our award winners. Please get there to uh, vote. Thanks to uh, Lisa Betney, You can find her at MostlyLisa.com and, of course, Camera Plus, her amazing application. (laughs) A multi-million bestseller in the App Store for iPhones. You yeah, who's jealous
2: it. of whose iPhone? I yeah, mean. no
0: kidding. What's yours, Stu? Plug yours. I,
1: we can, maybe we can combine. I'll get your Light Leaks, and we'll like make a deal. <laughs> it's
0: uh what's it called? Bullet? What's it? Uh, plastic, plastic, bullet. Plastic, plastic bullet. Every bullet.
2: every uh, every Camera Plus customer also needs plastic bullet. Exactly.
1: Should yeah. have them both. Yeah, why not?
2: They go together. Yeah.
0: Stu, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all for being here. We do this show every Tuesday right after Mac Break Weekly, about 4:30 Eastern, 1:30 Pacific, at Live twit.tv. Stop by again if you haven't seen it uh, or you missed some episodes. We've got them all online too at twit.tv photo. I'm Lisa Bettany. I'm Leo Laporte. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Mostly Photo.